Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, God, of course, I just took a swig of drink <laughs> as soon as I start recording. Why am I like this? What's up, y'all? <laughs> I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Happy Mess. Uh, we have another very special episode for you. Can you believe that we are nearing the end of the year? Honestly, this one flew by in a much better way than 2021. Or y'all, I don't even know what year it is anymore. I'm exhausted. In a much better way than 2020 did, because that was like the year that just never ended. Uh, Slowly but surely though, 2021 feels like things are shifting in the direction that we, we want them to shift. And maybe I'd like to think if you're listening to the podcast every week, Hot Happy Mess has a little something to do with some good shifts, some tiny shifts. Uh, I feel like I was just wishing y'all a happy new year at the top of this one, and it's time to do it all again. Well, it has certainly been a long year. (laughs) The pandemic is still going. The job market is wonky. The economy is up and down and crazy. Everything uh, is so much. It's a lot on us. And I think we're all walking around with heaviness and certain traumas and triggers that we might not even realize. I think so often, especially we women who are so go, 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 we just have to put on the superwoman cape and chin up, stiff upper lip and get it done. Not just for ourselves, but for everyone else who's relying on us, right? Whether it's your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your colleagues and coworkers, your employees, the list just goes on and on and on. And I've found that in my my weakest moments or the moments where I'm like, holy crap, I've got some stuff I need to unpack is when I finally get a moment of peace or calm. 
and the floodgates just open. It's like I have a little mini meltdown or, you know, I act out or I'm, I'm getting triggered by things that wouldn't normally trigger me. That's normally a sign for me that there might be some trauma. There might be some stuff that I need to kind of sit with, unpack and work through um, because I've just been internalizing it. I've just been packing it into the back of my mind and pushing through like so many of us do. So that is why I invited Andrea Gutierrez Glick to join me today to discuss the long-term impacts that trauma can have, tools we can use to work past it, and ways that we can start healing past our traumas, okay? It's it's such an amazing conversation. She is so highly qualified and, and so uh, just warm and, and real and um, open about her work and even her personal journey and some of the traumas that she's dealt with and worked through and lives with. You know, we talk about the physical effects of trauma, how it can be passed down from generation to generation, literally chemically, y'all. I am not going to lie. I did not know that that was a thing. Like truly, it is in fact a thing, chemically uh, passing down, genetically, I should say, passing down trauma from generation to generation. So Andrea's going to explain that, how trauma bonding works. Maybe you're in a relationship right now that you got some question marks around. Um, maybe you have a, a loved one who's in a relationship that you fear might have some trauma bonding. We're getting into the signs, the red flags. Can you work through trauma bonding? Because Apparently you can sometimes, but she's going to share the differences between when you can and maybe when you should walk away. Um, how to identify our trauma triggers and ways to work through all of it. And then, of course, we're going to drop some resources and, and gems and materials that can help you navigate life after trauma. OK, so without further ado, here's Andrea. All right, y'all, we have Andrea here. Andrea Gutierrez-Glick is a somatic trauma therapist, supervisor, and a writer. She specializes in treating trauma, nervous system dysregulation, and PTSD, all while prioritizing women, survivors, and queer and trans folks. Uh, she utilizes neurobiological, body-based, and feminist therapy practices to help clients feel safe in the present and come home to themselves, which I absolutely um, love, love the idea of that coming home to one. Oneself. So I can't wait to dive into it with her. She's here. Andrea, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Zuri. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much. Um, this this topic is one that's not easy to, to talk about. It's always a, it can be a difficult or a challenging conversation to navigate. So I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and your experience uh, with our audience. Uh, my main goal with this episode is to dive into some of the ways that trauma can present in our lives, right? Whether it's emotionally or physically mm -hmm. and how to address it head on. So uh, I'm grateful for you to be here. I'd love if you could just kind of kick things off with telling us how you got into your work. What made you decide to focus your practice on trauma specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So being a therapist that works primarily in my community, which is the LGBTQ community, it's very hard to not work with trauma because so many of us have experienced either micro, macro, or both levels of trauma. So micro being interpersonal, there's much higher rates of domestic violence, for example, in LGBTQ relationships, um, or the sort of more like macro stuff of everyday oppression from being a queer person in the world. So I see that like, I can't untangle the two, I can't be a therapist for my community and not be a therapist who covers trauma and focuses on trauma. And then most people who are 
trauma therapists have had their own sort of process with trauma. And so my personal experiences definitely informed my choice in becoming a trauma therapist. And therapy has been a very big part of my healing process. So it's really, really wonderful to continue that cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that the moment that we introduce therapy into our lives is so often a defining moment. I'll never forget the first time I had mm. an effective, a successful um, therapeutic session and just how it changed the trajectory of my life, of, cool. of what I wanted to do, of the way in which I wanted to connect with the people around me um, and mm. help them heal as I healed. You have this notion of coming home to, to oneself. You help people come home to themselves. What exactly does that mean? And how important was it for you to introduce that into your practice? Yeah, absolutely. I, for a long time, focused on helping or working with people rather, because they're the ones really doing the work, um, working with people on feeling safe in the present moment and that sort of being like, that being the pinnacle of healing. And then as I've been able to work longer term with clients and in my own healing process, I've really discovered that there is a deeper level than just feeling safe. There's Mm -hmm. feeling at home, authentic, like all of the parts of us are welcome, this deep connection to our core self, like who we really are underneath all those layers of trauma and protection and people pleasing and codependency and all of that. And so for me, coming home has meant embracing parts of myself that trauma took away from me. And that to me is sort of like, equally as important to feeling safe, but it's sort of like next level of healing where it's like, okay, you feel safe, but do you feel like Andrea or do you feel at home in your body? Because you can feel safe and feel those ways, but safety doesn't necessarily mean that you're like here all the time, Mm -hmm. like in your body or in your life or in your authenticity. Yeah. I love the way that you make that differentiation because it's so true as you, you know, moved in your own journey towards moving past your trauma or mm-hmm. beyond your trauma. Um, just share as much as you're obviously comfortable with and no more, but yeah. how difficult was, was that, or was it difficult or challenging to move from that space of I feel safe into coming home? Because in my personal experience, when I sit with some of my traumas, sometimes we get these defenses, these walls that go up and we've convinced ourselves that it's to protect ourselves, right? And so right. I'm clinging so desperately to the stories I've told myself about my trauma and how I react to it and how I bounce back and the way that I survive it. And it's hard to let it go, even though you know that yeah. these stories are BS. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes those stories, that could have been a fine life. Like you could have lived your life, nothing horrible would have happened, right? Like for me, that once I got safe, I had come to a new level, but I was working constantly and it felt so safe to do this work because it's helping people or like working with people towards healing. There was nothing bad that was happening to me anymore, but I wasn't getting to be Andrea. I was just like Andrea, the therapist, a hundred percent of the time, or like Andrea, the productive worker. Yeah. <laughs> and I was totally safe, but I wasn't being myself. And for me personally, and I see this so much with clients, um, whether it's overworking or um, under eating or over moving or uh, substances or relationships that you don't get to really be your full self in a lot like none of those things nothing bad necessarily is going to happen maybe sometimes right but for the most part you can just keep living your life that way um so being able to wake up to oh wow there's actually like another 
level of knowing myself (laughs) that's possible when I get out of these, yeah, like you said, stories or protective measures and go just a little bit deeper. Right. Um, I want to talk about what that feels like on the other side, moving into that next deeper level. But before Mm. we do that, let's, let's back it up a little bit and just go to the obvious trauma for someone who might be listening and might be like, you know, Oh, I don't have any trauma. Oh, I don't, Oh, I know I'm fine. Mm. Or, Oh, I think I might have some trauma, but I don't know what counts, what classifies. Am I being dramatic? You know, we always try to downplay, Mm. um, really true and real things in our lives. What is trauma? Yeah, totally, totally. Trauma is really any stressful experience. And the reason that some people might feel more comfortable calling it stress instead of trauma, I really don't care (laughs) with the, you know, what the word is that people feel comfortable with is that when we're stressed, and the example that I always give is, let's say you get a really overwhelming or scary or stressful email from your boss, the survival responses that get activated in your body are very similar to if there was actually a threat to your life. Because if you don't have a job, then you don't have money and then you can't get your needs met. Or if you have this breakup or get sort of shunned from this like friend group, you're not in the pack anymore and humans are pack Mm -hmm. animals. So you have no more connection to community and safety. So Again, trauma is sometimes a single incident event like a car accident or a hurricane. I think a lot of people now are understanding that everybody who's alive right now has experienced a trauma. The pandemic has been incredibly long-term, chronically traumatic for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are daily sort of traumas in our life as well, watching the climate change, some of the larger political issues, oppression, right? These are all like macro big traumas that we're living through and they're stressful. So they're releasing these stress hormones in our bodies. Um, So I think it's very, it's hard to say what trauma specifically is. I think what it's not only is like the things that we used to think, which is like being a war veteran or, um, you know, having been in a car accident or being sexually assaulted. Those are the sort of like, socially um known traumas and they're enormous ones right they're huge but they're it's not only those sort of three things like lots of other things can happen to people that are stressful or traumatic or overwhelming Mm -hmm. um so anytime that we feel unsafe or like it's not safe to be ourselves or we feel any sort of like threat to our life and again that could just be stress or it could be something very real like um, you know, being a woman in the world and walking around at night, right? Like that is, that can be a very, very stressful and traumatic experience. Yeah. And, and it's often those, even the small things, right. That we don't think about that we're yeah. internalizing in very small ways. I'm glad that you brought up the pandemic because those of us who did survive it, who did come yeah. out on the other side of the pandemic are still dealing with some of the triggers and the trauma of what that year meant and, and what it mm-hmm. implied. And, and also just true loss. We all have had family and friends who have suffered some that we've lost through that. What effects do you foresee uh, because of COVID-19 coming into the picture? Triggers, traumas for future generations, kids who are coming up and and really developing at such a a crucial time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's going to, so many things, right? Like feeling safe, being around people is going to be a really big adjustment. New people or larger groups of people. Absolutely. There's a lot of developmental stuff for people who are going through, whether they're like four-year-olds or 18-year-olds who spent their senior year, you know, in high school in their bedroom, right? Like there's so many 
different impacts on our bodies and our relationships and our sense of self. Humans are inherently very resilient. We are like any sort of plant, right? Like we just want to grow towards the sun. Yeah. So I have a lot of hope for us. I think the more we can validate the ways that we're feeling, oh, wow, I'm still really scared going to the grocery store, or I feel really disconnected from my friends, or I feel really alone, right? Like as long as we can continue to validate our experience, it's when we start overriding those feelings, right? I'm being, like you said, dramatic where I'm like, Mm -hmm. not, um, I'm making something bigger than it is. It's like, no, this has been a really massive trauma for a lot of us, whether we've lost people or not, or we've been sick ourselves or not. The fight or flight responses we've been feeling on a daily basis for over a year and a half does take a toll on our bodies. Mm -hmm. But that's also where we can nourish ourselves through connection, which is really the like, what we know from polyvagal theory, which is a theory that helps us understand our, our bodies and the nervous system, is that connection is really the most important thing to heal and feel, again, authentic and connected to ourselves. So whatever opportunities we have for connection with other people, connection with the deeper parts of ourselves, with nature, um, this is really how we how we heal and how we get through, right? Whatever the future has to hold for us. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned just a little bit ago, uh, you know, all of these different types of, of trauma, some that we may not have traditionally recognized as trauma, but it can be, uh, what are some of the red flags, this, the symptoms, the ways that trauma might manifest, whether it's physically, emotionally, uh, behaviorally, uh, what are some, some signs to look out for if, you know, I'm on the fence and I'm thinking I might be working through something, but I'm not sure. Totally. Yeah. So definitely physical pain, whether it's explainable or not, we hold a lot of our stress and trauma in our bodies, our neck, our upper back, our lower back, um, headaches, right? Like all of these are signs from our bodies, like, hello, pay attention to me, something isn't right or something's going on. Um, especially because stress or trauma makes us hold ourselves very tightly. Um, because we're sort of like bracing for impact. And so a lot of us can hold a lot of that tension and that can lead to pain. Um, not sleeping well, not, you know, getting enough to eat. Um, definitely isolating, um, intrusive thoughts or like ruminating thoughts, uh, beliefs about ourselves in the world that are distortions, right? Like, I'm unlovable, or it's not safe to be myself. Although like, I think for a lot of people, that is largely true. Um, But yeah, these sort of like changes in the way that we're thinking about the world, right? Um, And I think, again, a lot of people have experienced that with the pandemic. Um, Nightmares, certainly um, feeling really numb or disconnected, feeling really anxious or overwhelmed a lot of the time. I would say like most, most sort of like experiences in which we feel like overwhelmed or checked out can be related to stress and trauma. Okay. Got it. Got it. Well, then more of us are probably dealing with trauma than we even realize. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Talk to my friends, my colleagues. It's like, we're all carrying these things that we just minimize and like shrug off and just keep on keeping on. Where if we sat with it a little longer, we might Mm -hmm. be afraid to write, to realize what's really going on or what we haven't worked through. Uh, I've also heard about trauma bonding. You know, we hear about that a lot in the context of relationships, uh, particularly romantic ones. Can you explain exactly what trauma bonding is and the impact that that can have? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think of trauma bonding as being two sort of separate things. The first one is something I think a lot of us can, again, understand if we quarantined with people, we're kind of like trauma bonded to those people. Like we went through this collective trauma together, maybe our coworkers during the pandemic who were on Zoom with, um, or like, you know, on Slack with, um, through this whole thing. So like, we can bond with people because of a traumatic experience and feel a lot closer to them because of that trauma. The important part there is to develop other ways of connection. That's not just remember when things are really bad or remember when like this happened. It's um, We want to like deepen the relationship in ways that aren't just, we went through this massive trauma together and now we're very close. Um, right. So that's like one kind of trauma bond. Um, and then the other kind being, uh, in like either unhealthy relationships or in more extreme cases in abusive relationships, um, other like partners creating trauma in the relationship. So there's a sense of closeness that's not real. Um, so whether it's like a partner lying about something really bad happening to them and you're hearing this whole story or maybe they're just like, maybe it's true and they're kind of like dumping their whole trauma history on you in the third date and then you feel really, really close to that person. Um, and really connected when really you've just been sort of like trauma bombed and all of these chemicals have been released and there's like not a, not a like a real sense of depth with that person. Um, so there's that, or again, like in more abusive relationships, like a trauma happening either at the hands of the other person or like the other person sort of creating a traumatic scenario so that you feel really connected to this person for life when like there's really not much there. I would love if you could expand on that last part just a little bit. You know, uh, we talk a lot about relationships on, on the podcast and the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes when you're in the middle of a, a bad thing or a painful thing, it's like being in the eye of the storm and you don't realize you start to normalize patterns and behavior mm -hmm. that shouldn't be normalized. Um, what might that look like in a relationship in the more subtle or subliminal manifestations of trauma bonding. Um, what are signs that you might be in a relationship and dealing with some some stuff that's not necessarily healthy? Mm, yeah, certainly, certainly. I think in particular, if people are sharing too much too soon, too fast, or if the relationship is going too much too soon, too fast, right? So like, again, on the third date, you know this person's entire trauma history. Um, or, you know, maybe they've, um, you know, kind of like brought you into scenarios that are upsetting or traumatizing for you. Um, and you feel like you have to protect that person or you can't leave that person. Right. So like thinking about, um, you know, relationships I've been in where the person's family was not welcoming to queer people, for example, mm. and like being taken to that house and then like surviving this like horrible homophobic Christmas oh and then feeling like totally like such a nightmare and like feeling like so close to that person because we like went through this thing together when in reality like they took me there right, <laughs> like, I, right. right like I went through this like really traumatizing weekend because of that person right. um but but feeling like oh I can't leave them their family's so terrible or like you know we survived that horrible thing together and then there's honestly very like not only just in relationships where people are like manipulative or abusive, but um, if you know, if your partner, you know, goddess forbid gets sick and you go through that trauma together and you feel like I'm unhappy in my marriage, but I can never leave my partner because mm -hmm. they were with me through chemo, right? Something like that. Um, mm -hmm. 
and the way that we can feel sort of like bonded or indebted to people because of trauma we've been through together. Wow. Wow. Well, those are really poignant examples. Oh my mm-hmm. God. H- homophobic Christmas. That sounds like a, a horror film that I think that's <laughs> awful, awful, awful. Uh, totally. Fascinating that when you, when you lay it out like that, it like the lights go off for me or I, don't mm-hmm. know, oh my God, I, I might have trauma bonded a time or two and didn't put a, a name to it at the time because it was very much, yeah. oh, I can't leave them now or, oh, but we literally survived this thing. And it's like, that is not yeah. necessarily justification to continue right. relationship. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But all of the like neurochemical dumping that has happened in our brain and in our body makes us feel so much more in love with that person mm. than we actually are because we have experienced the lowest of the lows chemically and like emotionally. And like, so the highs feel that much more amazing. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice and grow black owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Do you ever recommend, keeping with the, the theme of relationship, if you realize like, wait, I think my partner and I are trauma bonded. Is there ever a time in which you you sort of broach that conversation with your partner. Is that a, a, a thing to bring up to them? Or is it as soon as you realize that that's a thing that's happening, you should be planning an exit. Is there ever a great area where you can work through it with your partner? Yeah, certainly. I think in most cases, except for active abuse or more like extreme manipulation, definitely people sometimes don't know that they're doing it and they don't mean to. And maybe that's how their family was. And they're just like enacting the kind of relationships that were modeled to them from their family. And in that case, it's like, this is where couples therapy is wonderful as you can on and, and individual therapy, right? Like having your partner yourself, and then like both of you be in therapy so that you can unlearn these 
patterns of connection that are actually just trauma bonding. Um, and I think especially if you and your partner had been through a specific trauma together, maybe it was like, again, something more extreme, uh, like someone being sick or you're, or, you know, losing a child or something like that. Like those traumas should always be processed, not just like bonded over. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people are like, we got through that and we don't talk about it, but I'm like never going to leave you because we like went through this thing together. It's like, no, talk about it. Yeah. Go to therapy, go to relationship. Um, yeah, like uh, any any sort of like whoever you trust, right? Whether it's like a therapist or like a rabbi or a pastor or whatever, like process these, these things. Um, and again, like unlearn maybe some of the relationship patterns that have come from that experience. Mm, okay. Okay. I've, I've heard about trauma leaving a chemical mark on a person's genes. Is that true? Is that actually a thing that happens? And any insights that you can provide into what that process is like, how or why it even mm. happens? Yeah, totally. So I call the science stuff that I talk about neuroscience for dummies. Like I'm not a scientist. I'm a trauma therapist. So like, if there's like someone listening, who's like a scientist, they're like, mm, like, yeah, this is, this is like, back off, okay, this is not for you. This, we are talking <laughs> to the dummies, exactly. myself included, who need the most basic 101 please. Yeah, totally. And that's what most people need. Right. So that's why it's like, so I, you know, I'll use myself as an example. Um, because I think that this is a useful anecdote, but like, uh, every single person in my family has the same sort of trauma history. Mm-hmm. And because in my culture, it's like really encouraged, like marry within the Jewish faith. Um, I have like, the same trauma in my body from every single ancestor. Mm -hmm. And what happens in traumatic experiences is certain genes get unlocked from, uh, you know, traumatic or stressful environments. And then when two people have the same sort of genes around anxiety or depression or whatever trauma unlocked, and then they have kids, they pass that on to their kids. Uh And then those kids experience potentially the same trauma marry someone else with a similar trauma, and then it just keeps going. And so that is sort of like the epigenetic lineage that a lot of people carry with them. And again, even if like you aren't someone like me who has this like really specific lineage of trauma, what we know is that, you know, one, probably more like two women are survivors of sexual assault. And we all have women in our family. So like we all have trauma in us, even if it's just that one trauma, right from some of our uh, matrilineal ancestors. Um, so there's that piece, uh, the sort of like mark that trauma leaves. And then also the mark that trauma in this lifetime leaves not only in epigenetics, unlocking certain genes that might make us more prone to physical illness or, you know, quote, mental illness. Um, but also the way that PTSD works is that it changes our body and our nervous system and our brain. And that happens through the release of stress hormones and the way that our brains and our nervous systems get repatterned because of trauma. So that's sort of like, mm-hmm. there's sort of like the ancestral mark. And then there's the like in this lifetime mark. Yeah. And then we pass that on to our kids and so on. Wow. So it really is nature and nurture when it comes to trauma. Totally. Wow. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I would imagine you're one of the first things you might say in response to this next question is therapy. Um, what are the tools? What what are the what are the first steps you recommend someone take if we realize we're living with or dealing with some unresolved trauma? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, therapy is a wonderful space to 
receive care and education and understanding. There's also for folks who that feels inaccessible for, whether it's financial reasons or, um, yeah, needing to maybe have some time to process on your own before having someone else witness you. There's so many incredible books written on trauma that are very accessible. There's wonderful podcasts, right? Or people who have people come speak about trauma for us to like, yeah, educate ourselves or have more of an understanding of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think like the, the sort of major piece, whether you find this in therapy or you find this in your own work through journaling or self-research is being able to validate the experiences that you have felt or like not just the experiences, but the impact of those experiences, because sometimes the trauma incident itself isn't even the worst part of it. It's how it makes us feel or it's how we show up in our lives. Um, and so being able to have a lot of self-compassion is really, really important. Absolutely. Um, I'd love if you could talk about what exactly a trauma response is. You know, sometimes we get triggered and we react and, you know, this happens to me and I'm like, what? No, I'm fine. No, that's what I would say anytime. Of course, that's just how I act. And then I sometimes, I don't always get it right, but take a step back and I'm like, ooh, that was my trauma talking. Ooh, that was like a pattern or a habit because I'm reacting to this moment the way I had to react however long ago when it was fight or flight. And this isn't a fight or flight situation. Um, What exactly is a trauma response and how can we tell if we might be responding from a place of trauma? Yeah, totally. Durian, you said it. It's like you act in a way that you did in the past, in the present, because your brain and your body are remembering certain cues. And that's what a trigger is really, is a body cue or an emotional cue Um, That is like, ooh, you have to protect yourself in this moment because remember what happened last time. Or maybe it's not even what happened last time. We feel like we are reliving it all over again, even though we're actually safe. Or for for a lot of people, we are reliving it all over again. You know, like a lot of people experience the same trauma over and over. A lot of traumas are totally inescapable. You know, the trauma of having a chronic illness, the trauma of living in capitalism in a white supremacist society in a homophobic society these traumas just keep going on so we are having trauma responses our bodies are trying to protect ourselves um which is great right except that we want to be able to feel safe some of the time right and not always be on guard um and some of the times that we're getting triggered and we're having a trauma response we actually are safe and we don't know that we are so just like you said it's like having a moment of mindfulness, slowing things down. Okay, my heart is racing. I'm thinking, where's the door? So I know I'm having a flight response. Looking around, am I actually safe or unsafe in this environment, in this relationship, in this um, in this space? And then being able to say, wow, I'm really not safe. My body's doing a great job of telling me to leave, you know, this like fat phobic doctor's appointment and I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. Or actually like, this is a, you know, a relationship that is safe. And because there's a feeling of intimacy, and the last time I felt intimacy, something bad happened, my body thinks that's going to happen again. But this time I am actually safe. Mm, okay. Um, you you talked a little bit about, you know, how we can carry the, the trauma of our ancestors. I think about generational curses and just sort of what we yeah. uh, grow up witnessing and not even realizing, but we're internalizing it. Um, and the older a lot of us get, the more we realize, 
oh, my family, they, they've got some shit going on. You know, like we, they, you don't yeah. talk about it a lot or in a lot of uh, families, mm-hmm. it's very taboo. We don't, we lived it. We got through it. We don't, we don't go there. We don't go there. We don't talk about it. How, totally. how important is it to talk about it? And how do you recommend mm. some of, uh, of us in the younger generations who are ready and willing to talk? Uh, how do we, we start those conversations with the old gen mm. who might be more hesitant, but unlocking their trauma is very much a part of us processing our own. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. It is so important to talk about it. It's like, especially for, I think, any age, but you think about kids and kids develop much higher rates of trauma responses when they aren't able to talk about the traumatic thing that they've been through. And so just like there's countless research research studies that show that, yes, like talking about the bad thing that happened is very healing and useful as long as it's within people's window of tolerance. It's not totally overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, that can be therapy, family therapy, um, something that I've started doing with some of my living ancestors is recording some of their stories. And it's a really, really lovely way to kind of talk through these moments of trauma, but really make meaning together around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here you are, you survived and it helps me understand myself. And it, I, I hope that it's helping them sort of make a story out of what's happened to them. Yeah. Um, certainly. And then also, yeah, I think like the making meaning part is so useful. Like as much as my family's lineage of trauma has been very impactful through addiction and mental illness and all of, and, and a lot of chronic illnesses. Um, we also have such a culture of resilience in my family and making something out of nothing. And, um, yeah, this like sense of like, wow, we're still here after like all of these things and, and focusing on that, um, in addition to focusing on things have been very, very hard, yeah. right? Like the sort of like balancing of the two. Yeah. Okay. The really, really great words of wisdom. I want to look at the younger generation. So a lot of us are becoming mothers or becoming parents. Um, how do we navigate those conversations if we fear or worry that our child or children or the younger ones that we love and care about might be suffering in silence with some sort of trauma? And I, I really ask that question uh, with a lot of heaviness when we think about you know, suicide in, in young people, particularly social media exacerbating those issues when they're totally. online, comparing themselves to these other kids. Cyberbullying mm. makes it so much easier. There's so much kids these days have to just survive. Yeah. Um, how do we navigate totally. those conversations? What are the signs that mm. the children in our lives might be dealing with some trauma that we don't know mm-hmm. about? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, some signs would definitely be, you know, being withdrawn, anxiety. Um, changes and what their interests are. Like maybe they really love this thing and now they have like no interest in it. Um, definitely isolation, right? Um, too much screen time. Um, and I think like, as you said, like the way that we do this is by talking, right? Mm-hmm. Like having a relationship with your kid where you're able to say like, what's going on? This is a safe space for you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to help. And knowing that they're going to come to you when they're ready to, right? Like, that is especially like teens, right? Like they have to really be <laughs> ready right. to come. Oh to my you. god! Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. With that, um, absolutely. And I think it is really useful to again, like validation, right? Like this is a very hard time to be a, a teenager, a young adult, a kid. Like 
things are feel hard because they are mm. versus like, well, you didn't know what it was like back in my day. It was way harder. Kids these days, they have everything they need, blah, blah, right? Like you want to really validate, like, no, things are really hard. Maybe it's helpful to add some context. Like, you know, let's look at the resources that you have access to that I didn't, right? Like, it's not to say that you should be grateful, but like, let's, let's orient you towards the safety and the resources in your life instead of like focusing on only the things that are hard but you also want to hold space for the things that are hard so again it's like this holding two truths at the same time right right holding two truths at the same time i like the the sound of that though uh before Mm -hmm. i go uh three tools what are your top three tips tools resources just anything uh that you would recommend our listeners uh check out or consider if they want to address Mm -hmm. their trauma head on Yeah, absolutely. I am reading the book No Bad Parts by Richard Schwartz, which is an incredible book on parts work and knowing our inner selves and accepting especially the inner parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at. Um, So I love I love his book. Um, Another resource. um, I'm like looking at my bookshelf. Yeah, I really, really love the book Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. He is a tech sort of like um, behaviorist and is responsible for a lot of the like uh, harmful social media things that we all have to deal with, Mm -hmm. like the endless scroll and like the way that likes kind of get dumped on us. He used to teach a class on coercive technology at I think Stanford. And then now he's like a Buddhist and he's like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) So he wrote a book on like, all of the things that he knows about how to like get into people's brains, but how to do that with like gratitude and mindfulness. And so sort of like all of the stuff that we're all doing that we don't even notice because of technology. He's like, Ooh, how do we do that with um, gratitude and like awareness? Um, So that's a really, really, really wonderful book. And that was called little habits, tiny habits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I um I cannot stop listening to the podcast Maintenance Phase, okay. which is about um, debunking a lot of the health and wellness and spirituality um, sort of trends. Um, it has been a deeply healing, um, yeah, like way for me to unlearn a lot of the sort of ideas around health and wellness that we think are like true and real and like cannot, you know, like w- uh, withstand the test of time, but are actually rooted in like extremely um like unreal science or like harmful body beliefs mm. um so i'm really i'm really enjoying that and it's again like podcasts or books can be other ways that we unlearn or like heal from trauma and that that one in particular has helped me definitely like let go of a lot of cognitive distortions that i've had great thank you for sharing those um yeah what final words of wisdom would you share what would you hope um whoever's listening right now understands about trauma about their own about you know the trauma and the people around them what are we getting mm-hmm. wrong or misunderstanding anything you'd like to to leave us with yeah totally i mentioned this earlier but and this is one more resource resource that folks can look into but the polyvagal theory is a way for us to understand the nervous system and essentially what it teaches us is that our biological core need as humans is connection. And so when we're like searching, searching for like, I want to feel better, 
right? We're like online shopping or overworking or under eating or whatever. We probably need self-connection, connection with the natural world or connection mm-hmm. with someone else. It really is just that simple. Um, and yeah, so just reminding ourselves that human beings are actually quite simple and we really just need to feel connected um, yeah. to get to safety or to feel better. So beautifully said. And I love that idea of, you know, we always think about connection and so often it's external connecting with the people around us. Mm. I love that self-connection too. Like that struck a little bit of a nerve where I'm like, Oh yeah. How am I doing with the self-connection lately? Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Absolutely. Andrea, if people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Where can they check in? If they want to reach out to you, communicate, tell us all the things. How do we keep the convo going? Yeah, totally. So on Instagram, I'm at somatic witch. My website is andreaglick.com and I have a private practice that I just opened in St. Louis, Missouri. If people happen to be there, I'm taking class. Oh, that is amazing. Well, congratulations yeah. on opening up the private practice and thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Zara. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Andrea for such an eye-opening conversation. You know, it really makes you wonder how many times you've responded from a place of trauma. I know I certainly do. Um, And so it's great to have that reminder that we're all carrying different versions of this. And it doesn't have to be some quote unquote, great, massive, obvious, traditional trauma, even though those are so true and real and valid and prevalent, it can be the tinier things or the things that we claim are tiny or think are tiny, but they add up and it's dismissing them or or minimalizing them that that really makes it worse. And and we really just have to work through this stuff instead of skirting around it, which is something that I've certainly been guilty of in the past. And maybe you have too. So thank you to Andrea for such an amazing conversation on mental wellness. It needs to be happening more. I'm so glad we're having these convos on Hot Happy Mess so that we can all take control of our healing. So awesome combo. Reach out to Andrea if you want to learn more. And thank thanking her again for helping us come home to ourselves. So did you like this episode? Did you enjoy the conversation? Well, one, if you did, share it with a friend or a family member who you think might like it. Uh, maybe your spouse, if it's a conversation that you want to kick off with them. Um, and stay tuned for more episodes. Every Monday, we've got a new episode. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary, guys. It's kind of a big deal. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not ready. Just kidding. I want to talk about it and scream it from the mountaintops and the rooftops and all the tops because we are a year into this thing almost. So I'm super excited to kick off with celebrations and shenanigans. So stay tuned for all of that stuff. Um, And in the meantime, if you can leave us a review, it would be so appreciated. Five stars and a couple of sentences on why you are loving Hot Happy Mess. It's free and it's a really easy way to keep us making shows. (laughs) Okay. That's how the powers that be know that y'all are rocking with it. So, uh, leave a review, share it on social and tag me so I can repost you at Zuri Hall, Z-U-R-I-H-A-L-L and at Hot Happy Mess on Instagram. And I will talk to you next Monday. Bye. 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 From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.